Hey, what's up, guys? It's Rico here, CEO of Source Financia, Coast to Main Podcast, and the host of the Source Financia YouTube channel, of course, back with another one. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. And then the main thing as well is we want to we want to document what we're doing right now, right? We want to document everything. Speaking of documenting what we're doing, I have I have like hours of recordings from our Zoom calls, not just with you, but um, with the companies that we're working with last year yeah. during, during the uh, pandemic. So it's like, yeah, I, I, it's interesting. I, I, I want to see what I can do with that. Maybe create a documentary in the future or something. But but again. It- it's like like all of this stuff, right? Like these conversations, and even like if anyone hears this, that that is into kind of the marketing side of things or promote like how you promote this, right? How how the best channels to put this out on, whether it's LinkedIn or Facebook ads or whatever it is, it's something that that I'm not overly knowledgeable on. Um, obviously running running all the Facebook ads and all that sort of stuff through earned is something that I've done with Jordan in the past, but for this, it's a bit more, it's a bit different, right? It's, it's how do you target those companies? And maybe it is LinkedIn. Maybe it is, it is you're, you're specifically targeting companies that sell products and, and are in, in the kind of 20 to $50 million turnover in the year. Like it's, it's basically, I suppose, putting in the kind of blueprint of what my family business does and, and, and searching that on LinkedIn. Well, I think it's also just um, like obviously um, your family business has, has context, you know, event fuel probably has context as well, you know, and then obviously if we do like a, a good job for these guys, then I'm pretty sure they would want to start, you know, maybe introducing us to other potential clients, right? But in terms of finding those clients in, in a more, I guess, marketing way, like we recently started looking at these like industry specific websites where they kind of analyze, let's say, the top 1,000 Amazon sellers, and then they tell you how much they're, how much they're selling, and then from there, I mean, they don't give you the contact information, obviously, but um, I mean, there's ways of finding that out, right? So I, I think that's another aspect is like going industry specific, maybe trying to find those like those websites that aggregate companies like this, and then. You know. I always just find it. I find it difficult, like cold calling or cold emailing people. Like in that introduction just makes it makes such a big difference getting that foot in the door, that that trust. And I don't know how we do that, like like whether that's possibly doing a testimonial video and you're speaking like and like we said, we're we're we'll plan on getting the event fuel guys on a on a podcast, on a sort of 15, 20 minute podcast at the end of this project, once everything is complete and and have a chat with them and get their thoughts on things like this and even how all this came about was someone from back home and i've been meaning to ask brian from fuel who it was just said listen reach out to alan because they were looking out here and, and maybe he can help you and that's i don't know a friend of mine or someone who saw something on linkedin or whatever it was so it's just it's just word of mouth and it's it, that kind of popping in so yeah i mean i've just always found that the best the best 
like way to get that trust and get that kind of the communication to start. But yeah, so we, yeah, I think we need to have a sit down with Mike and have a chat. I think it's two parts. It's like uh, good marketing where you're providing real value, right? Because uh, for example, like two of our largest clients, three of our largest clients ever, they found us through like my podcast and a YouTube video. But then what happened was they watched one YouTube video and it's free information. And then they watched other stuff and they listened to the podcast and I didn't reach out to them. They reached out to me. Right. So, and at that stage, like it's almost a formality when you get on the actual sales call because they've already decided that they want to work with you. And, and I think, I think that's a great way. I think like, I love the fact that you're, you're telling people how to source. Right. And, and, and most people just go, well, I don't want to do that myself. So I'll get them to it. Or it's like exactly what you just said in terms of the marketing side of things. It's like, why would I become a professional digital marketer? You know what I mean? When it's like I run a manufacturing company, <laughs> we have to do marketing, of course, but we'd rather work with professionals right? We, than, than doing it ourselves. You want them to come or have the ideas and then you add your touches in. But I think the, I think the podcast is great. Like I think we, we do another one of these once the project is finished. I think we do another one about the catalog we're putting together once we have images of all the samples. I think we do one once we um once we can get Brian and, and possibly Jamie, his co-founder, on the phone as well and have a chat with them and just get it, the story from their perspective. Um, I think that would be cool. And then just push that. And we can sit down and have a chat with Jordan, maybe do a podcast with him about ideas for how to market it. And just, yeah, and just try sort of get as many of these out there as possible and get them out to our email networks and and then just go from there onto LinkedIn as well. The interesting part about this uh, whole situation is like similar to last year, we're both not in mainland China right now, (laughs) but we're still able to kind of operate on on almost the same level. Actually, maybe I'll just say on the same level because I feel like at this stage, Imogen has... You know, she's been working for me for like four or five years. She's probably been to almost the same amount of factories as I have. So, she, you know, her experience in, in these situations is, is, is vital because a lot of times I'm just asking her, what do you think about this, right? Like, and then we brainstorm a little bit and then I make the final decision. But a lot of times it's her suggestions that kind of come up, right? So that that's a big part of it is like, being able to tap into a network uh, that's already established in China and, and, and trust. I mean, having the, having the, your three or four staff on the ground there yeah. um, and, and Chinese staff as well. Um, it makes a massive difference. Like I've got my network of factories that I've dealt with, but finding new factories is, is very difficult right now, but it makes such a big difference. It, it, it also, I mean, it's really shown that, I probably don't need to go into China as much as I used to. I don't think, I don't think anybody does. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's, well, I think that's a business travel thing in, in general. Still think it's very important in terms of the relationships with the factories and getting in there definitely for cer- certain mass productions, just showing up and, and showing your face at these things, I think it's important as well. And it shows you're serious and it shows that you care about the product and that's, that's, so and sometimes you you want to keep factories on their toes as well. I don't think you need to do it for every single one, um, but I I do think it's I do think it's still valuable. I just don't think probably we'd be going in as much as um, 
as much as we used to. And I like, I mean, I, I, I don't think you're going to move back there anytime soon once they open up. No, I mean, my original, obviously, my, I think everybody that follows the YouTube channel or whatever will know, but my original plan was to spend, you know, sort of like half the year here in the Philippines, like half the year here. Exactly. I don't think, I don't think you'd get away with that hat in Guangzhou as well. Would you? Yeah, I definitely would. Definitely. <laughs> uh, black dude wearing a hat like this in Guangzhou. I, I don't think it's happening. I already used to get uh, stares just in general. <laughs> so you know i'll be taking it to another level i even here I, I i still get stares in terms of like wearing the hat right because not that not everybody like a lot of the expats that live here they don't dress like this they just wear like t-shirts and shorts and, you know just like that but i'm like hey man I'm, i have to make the most of it i'm on the island yeah exactly island life yeah. island. enjoy it panama hat going yeah no i agree with you i think that um you know, I, I think for everybody who has had to figure out remote work systems and how do you still do the same thing that you you were doing before without physically going to China, it's just taught people that we don't have to always go to the Canton Fair or things like you can do that stuff online. I mean, Michael Michelini, not to diverge too much from the main topic, but Michael Michelini, who's a very well-known uh, guy in the China business space, we did a digital event with him where it was like a virtual i don't know if you've ever done like a virtual casino type thing that's the best way i can describe it but it's like you have these different rooms that you go into and you know you play poker or whatever he did the, essentially that but a virtual conference it's like you had an avatar and you would go from room to room and like in one room there would be somebody like me talking about sourcing and another room there'd be somebody talking about marketing you know just like it was pretty cool actually and then you had like a you know virtual screen where it's like those are the hosts which was myself and i think four other people and then there was the crowd so you could see the crowd on the side um and it's like all these small sc uh, video screens if somebody wants to show their face and then wh whoever is talking at the time which would be one of the hosts would be the you know the main focus it was a really interesting way of having a digital conference. And I started thinking about it as like that, that is kind of the way of the future is like people being able to just interact and even applying that to a Canton fair or what's the other one, what's the other one that um, is in Hong Kong most of the time. The uh, mega show or gifts and premium gifts and premium, but it's also around the Canton fair. They also have a sourcing site. Uh, how am I Glo Global sources. Yeah. Global sources. I just think with, I, I don't know if you've gone, have you gone on to the Canton Fair, the live, the online one? I have not, no. It's horrendous. Like, it's so hard to navigate. It's <laughs> it, like, it was a waste of time. I went on and, and had a look. It was quite funny because I, I went on to uh, the guys who make Earn for me. And it's so hard, right? I mean, first of all, like, China's still not great at marketing and PR and factories are even further back than the guys who are brilliant at it in China, right? And when you're trying to sell clothing to someone through a video, it's very difficult. Like they're standing there with t-shirts going, oh, this feels lovely and this is lovely material. <laughs> and and it's like, but well, what do you do? Like, I, and I, I just think- Is it, is it kind of like a QVC? Like, uh... Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was like a really shit QVC. <laughs> um, but, 
and I, I actually like because I was talking to the owner and I just gave them some feedback. They were trying to sell too hard. It was it was a real over the top selling, but they don't know how to do it. Right. First time ever. So I just think with the Canton Fair, I think I think that will come back. Like I, I think the minute they open, I think it's going to be the biggest Canton Fair you'll ever see because you, you have to be there to touch and feel a lot of this product. You have to be there to have this conversation with these with these factory owners or with the people at the show going for a beer after going for a meal after i just think i think it's i think it's so important and you don't get that online i think possibly with this whole meta meta universe that sort of that sort of thing you will eventually get there where it's so so realistic but i just put a huge amount of value on relationships and having a beer with someone face to face then then having a zoom call it's just way more personal and you just don't get that from from an online event i think what they've done in terms of in general with events pivoting to this online forum and doing it all i think it's been brilliant but i think yeah i think a lot of these things once you get back in person and people can freely travel um around the world and all the 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 costs are coming down a bit i think that will come back massively i don't disagree because i think people should miss just events in general like they miss physically going to places. But I think what, what will most likely happen is there'll be a split between the two. There'll be like, you have the Canton Fair online, which is cheaper. And then the one, the one that they do face to face. And then I think maybe even for the, for the suppliers, the ones that have products that you don't necessarily need to touch, like sort of electronics and things like that, where they, they can just do a live demonstration of a drone flying. You know, they could do that online and then maybe the, the fabrics would have to be, you know, textiles or whatever would have to be like an in-person thing. No, there would definitely be some things. I mean, Adidas, Adidas spent 250 million US dollars on, on travel, um, business travel the year before COVID hit. Um, I was talking to a girl who's the, she's now the head buyer here for Little. They have like 300 staff here in Hong Kong, maybe even more, actually 600 staff, I think. And she said she had to go to Germany once every three weeks from Hong Kong. And now they're just like, like, we can just do it all. Like maybe she'll go once every six months. But before it was just like, I'll just come here, like travel. And like when you're going to Germany, if you're traveling once every three weeks to Germany from Hong Kong, like it's, I mean, it's not fun. Like people don't want to do it. It gets, it gets old very quickly. Um like I would, I was with someone recently who was telling me that their husband worked for Credit Suisse years ago here in Hong Kong, and he was he was flying to New York every weekend. Oh my god! The year before COVID, I I, I calculated how many flights I was on. I was on about fifty flights, so I was on a flight a week on average. But that was just mainly within China. Like obviously, I went to different countries outside of China, but like it was mainly within China. Yeah. So we we're talking about two hour flights here and there. And then sometimes it was like maybe a week where I took like three or four flights in one week. So that's why that started to add up. But yeah, I can't imagine having to jump on a, you know, 16 hour flight every week. <laughs> you, and then have actually, to come back. Yeah, <laughs> as well. You just, you wouldn't know what jet lag is, right? You'd be so out of it. But this guy was Cathay's most frequent flyer. Oh my God. I hope you got some major benefits from that. I mean, yeah, listen, you'd be flying first class and all of that sort of stuff, but still, um, I, don't, I don't think it's worth it. 
flying to New York for four or five days of work and then back to home. That's another, that's another aspect of what we're talking about is like you can go back to the traditional methods and, and spend, I mean, not, not every company's Adidas, but uh, spend hundreds of thousands of dollars every year on, on travel. Or you can outsource to a company that can sort of handle everything for you. And maybe you still go once in a while, but you just don't go as frequently as you used to, right? Like, yeah, and save a bunch of money in that that aspect. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I was kind of saying before, you, you, we nearly need to look at this as we're evolving the sourcing office, the standard sourcing office that people used to have. Like, we're 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 adding much more benefits and completing the whole circle that it's a, a one stop shop. Yep. Yep. Damn, and I think yeah, I think it's interesting to see where this is going to go. I mean, this is a good case study, and this is documented, and, and sort of finish out the project. I'd, I'd love to have that little sort of podcast with with the owner or one of the owners, um, get his feedback and everything, and what they thought about it before we started working and after we finished the project. You know, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. So. Uh, uh, any any last points you wanted to make before we kind of close up? Um, no, I, I don't think at this stage, right? We just let's get let's get. Um, you've made all the payments for everything now, right? Well, I, yeah, but uh, there's still one more people like one more payment that has to be made that's going to go through tomorrow. That was the issue that I was talking about. I have to do uh, after this after this call. I might still I might be able to make it right now, uh, according to what they said. But uh, it's just that basically there's a limit on the amount of money I can transfer to this particular bank account. And then I asked them, do they have an alternative one? Because I know they do in Hong Kong. So I was like, okay, I can split the payments between the two accounts. If their second account is not functional, then I'll just transfer the rest tomorrow. But it shouldn't really affect anything. It's just frustrating. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, that that's that's pretty much everything then. We've, um, we're just waiting on those couple of VIP printing assets that Imogen's on top of, everything else is finished, box tomorrow, and then um, and get everything ready for the packing. Yeah, so the, the transfer that I was, I was sending was the gift box, the sunrise clock, and uh, there was some travel expenses from Imogen, and then there was also um, the assembly stuff. So, yeah. So, uh, and then I, I guess the next steps after that would be to get a quote on shipping to Europe. Shipping to Ireland. Yeah, probably try get that at the end of this week. Yeah. Well, I think the payments thing just fucking took like the past two days has just been like that's been the main focus, and of course we still have other projects as well. So it's like it's been uh, it's been a little bit tough and frustrating. But yeah, after the payments are done, um, you know we can switch focus onto onto the assembly, and I I, I think we're gonna do QC at the assembly. And then uh, shipping. Thank you guys for watching the video cast. Uh, if you want to reach out to Alan, where can they find you? Uh, on LinkedIn or uh, at newlandsourcing.com. Right, and as usual, if you want to reach out to us, sourcefinasia.com, Made in China podcast, and uh, Sourcefinasia on YouTube. 
and uh, I'll see you guys next time. So when I'm dropping a new flow, it's probably not all that solid at first post. You might call it a rude show, but ballers improve, yo. And in the same way, soon the tunes get better, and I polish it, you know. Knows. I might get acknowledged in kudos, it's cool though Long as I keep rocking a few shows Not to model some new clothes, pocket that loot, bro I'm still trying to figure tax stocks in the loopholes Like where's the refund, we file for them Deducted from gross, should that be taken off the net like child porn? My smile's worn off, but I ain't that pissed though I still got cash and I don't lack distro And if I didn't, I would